Hey everyone, and welcome to the service again this morning. It's great to have this opportunity to, to greet you this morning. Has anyone ever heard the phrase, there's nothing new under the sun? There's nothing new under the sun. It's actually taken from the Old Testament, a book called Ecclesiastes written by Solomon, who is thought to be one of the wisest men that ever lived. And it's this idea that everything just keeps happening the same and over and over again. He, uh, he starts this book of Ecclesiastes with some rather strange words. He says this in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 2. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utter meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And it's like, wow, that's not a great place to start with a book in the Bible. But that is what it says. But he makes the following statement, and I'm reading in chapter 1, verses 9 through 10 of Ecclesiastes. And this is what it says. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here today, or it was, it was here already long ago. It was here before our time. I get that. There, there's nothing new. You know, the sun comes up, the, the sun goes down, seasons change, people are people, there's always been conflict. None of it is new. But it's new to us, and that matters. Most, most of you listening to this message today um, have heard something similar before. You've listened to a message and you, you know, you've kind of been in this context before. Many of you would have, would have heard this. But never before, never before in the, in the history of the world has this exact group of people gathered at this time to hear the words that I am speaking today. It's a new experience for all of us. And, and so in context, it's, in that context, it's new, even though it's been done before. Each breath that you take is a new breath. Each, each day when we wake up is a new day and a new opportunity to experience life. In the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament, in chapter 3, verses 22 to 23 in Lamentations, it says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God doesn't change. His, his mercies don't change. They're, they're there. They're consistent. But our experience of his mercy, our experience of his compassions are new every morning. They're, they're fresh. They're specific. They're abundant. And they're new every day. I, for one, I'm so grateful for that, that God's mercies are new and specific and fresh for me every day. You know, it's, it's funny. We all have different levels of tolerance for something that's new, something that's, that's new every day. We were having a bit of a, I'll say, a family discussion or conversation recently. And, and in that, there, it came up that, that even one of our members of our family don't 
don't even like going to a gas station that they've never stopped at. It kind of makes them feel anxious because it's, it's something new. And, and that had come up because another member of the family had been talking about meeting someone. It was someone that they knew, but they were meeting them at a place they'd never been to. And it kind of made them feel a little bit uneasy and awkward because they had never been there before. And, and, and I get that. And, and, and it's possible, you know, it's like even I get a little bit anxious sometimes going to a new place and being an introvert myself. If you're going someplace that's, uh, that involves meeting new people or you're with a new crowd, it even heightens that. So it's like I kind of get that tension of, of experiencing something new. Um, but some would say that it, it's, it's dealing with change, right? Like it's, it's this idea of how we handle change. And some, some would even argue that, well, people don't like change. Like just, and say that as a, as a blanket statement. Now, I would agree that, that there are things about change that people don't like. But I think if we really think about it, people do like change. People like things that are new. It's like our consumer-driven economy is actually based on that. People like, you know, want a new car or the newest iPhone or the new this and new that. So there is that, that aspect of, of that, that people like new things. But what people don't like about change is this idea of control. They want to control it. If, if there's change, it, people want it to be on their terms. That they want change to be something that happens when they want it, how they want it, and the kind of change is the change that they want. And so it's more about control than it is resisting change. Um, and even, not to be controversial, but even to take as an example, euthanasia or, or assisted death is really one of those places where people want to take control of kind of that last decision of their lives. You know, the, the experiences so far of the year 2020 have been described over and over again as unprecedented, like never seen before. I mean, the news, social media uh, are flooded with images of reactions and to things that have never seen, been never seen before and, and are in our lifetime. And then there's this sense that things are kind of out of control or at the very least out of our control. And it can make us a bit anxious. It really can. This COVID-19 pandemic has it's disrupted our lives on, on a global scale. Like it's universal. There's, there's no country that hasn't been affected by, by this at, at some level. It's, it's no respecter of persons or positions. It's like, it doesn't matter if you're a leader of a country or a single mother. There's still an effect of this virus on everyone. And, and I happened to be in a, a Zoom meeting with Dr. Robert Strang, who's with the Health Authority of Nova Scotia. And he was talking about, um, I'll say, what's coming next or where we are now. And what was kind of a bit disconcerting about that is, is he was kind of, he was implying and even said that we need to, to kind of get used to this because COVID's not going away anytime soon. And, and he made the point that the question sh that we're asking kind of needs to change. is like, maybe we're asking the question, you know, how long before things go back to the way they were? How, how long before things go back to normal? He says the question, maybe a more appropriate, appropriate question would be, how do we live with COVID-19? And for us, how do we live in a new reality that is what we are now? Like folks, like it or not, we are living in a new reality. And 
This is not the first pandemic to affect our planet, but it's new to us. This situation is new to us. And the implications of the measures that are being taken to keep people safe and to deal with the spread and with the managing the, the outbreak, it, it affects all of us and brings us into a new reality. You know, there's the, the movie, The Wizard of Oz. There's this one phrase that Dorothy says, and she says it to her dog. She goes, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Well, no, we're not in Kansas anymore. And I would argue that change is actually our new reality. Our new reality is change. But here's the amazing thing. Change can be disconcerting. Change can make us anxious and all those different things. But God is still on the move. In fact, we are living in a lifetime of incredible opportunity for the church and for as Faith City Church. God is doing things even in the midst of this pandemic and things that, that again, are unprecedented. I believe that the, that the prophet Isaiah captures this thought for us in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. And the prophet speaking to the nation of Israel says this in verses 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, I believe that God is doing a new thing. And I'm the first to admit that not all change is progress. Okay, I'll admit that. But we also have to admit that all progress requires change. Yeah, I know. It's not that what was is bad either. See, that's one of the, that's one of the painful things about change. That's one of the painful things about a new reality. Is that's part of the discomfort that goes with it. It's, it's the need to have to give up something good for something better. Or, or that idea that... that that to have something new, we actually have to release the old. Anything new requires the release of the old. See, that's, I believe that's a large part of why the Jewish community had such a hard time with Jesus. They were, they were well connected to their traditions and so many things like that. And Jesus comes along and he starts to, to preach his gospel and begins to speak about new things and about, about how things are changing. And for them... For the Jewish establishment, in order for them to embrace Jesus, they had to release some of their grip on their tradition. And many, many, or most of them were unwilling to do that. They just couldn't do it. They, they, they were so tied up in what was that through the prophet, they, they couldn't understand what was to come and they couldn't accept what was to come. And that would be Jesus as the Messiah. But in order to embrace Jesus, they had to loosen their grip on tradition. There's an example of this in Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 39. And, and Jesus is teaching and, and some of the, the religious leaders, and they're challenging him because of some things that they're seeing going on. It's like, well, these guys are doing this and these guys are doing that. And this is different. Like, you're not, you're not paying attention to the rules. <laughs> and Jesus did that sometimes. So in verse 33, it says of Luke chapter 5. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours, yours go on eating and drinking. Well, Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? 
But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and in those days they will fast. And then he told them this parable. No one tears a piece of new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new one will not match the old one. And no one pours new wine into an old wineskin. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No. New wine goes in new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. They say, no, the, the old is better. See, that's the power of nostalgia. That's, that's, that's one of the powers of the past that nostalgia has. It says the old is better. New wine, new anointing, new outpouring will need new wineskins, a new expression. And, and I'm not saying that we abandon our foundations or, 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 or devalue anything that has gone on before us. Because those things are so important. We, 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 we don't abandon our values. We don't abandon the truth. I'm saying that we're living in a new reality at FCC now. And it's, and, and that's just, it's here and it's around the globe. Peter addresses new life when he writes to the church in Galatia. It says this. Galatians 2.20. I, Paul speaking of himself, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And, then, and this, is, this is the part. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, so to live in Christ is to live fully alive, Right? fully present in this body, in this moment, and living by faith. So it's this idea of being engaged. It's, it's being really present in, in what our new reality is, not wishing for what was or wishing that things were the way they used to be. I, I'm looking forward to being able to come back together and worship together as a, as a group, as, a, as a, a people all together in one space. But I want, I want to say something. I don't want you to take it wrong. But I look forward to that. But I hope we never go back to the way things were. And you might be like, what? what do you mean? The way things were, were good. Don't get me wrong. The, the, the way things were, what was, was anointed. What was, was, was good. What was, was powerful. What was, God was in. Okay, what was, was, was important. I'm not saying that. But I believe that we are in a new reality where God is calling us into something that is beyond, where we release some things and maybe look at things a bit differently to be able to grab onto who, where God is taking us. We build on a foundation of faith of, our, of the people that have gone before that have prayed and sweat and worked and sowed to see to where we are now. And we value that. And then we recognize that God is doing something new. We live in a new reality. Faith will remain our foundation. It's in our name. Faith is our foundation. City is our mission. And church is who we're called to be. Faith, faith is and will always be our foundation. But when we think about how will we navigate this new reality, it's found in this scripture, Galatians 20. It says, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. How will, we, how will we do this? How will we stay fully engaged? How will we manage? Faith in God. Faith in Christ. It's, it's not just having faith, but 
even making sure that our faith is in the right place, that our faith is in Jesus. It's not in tradition. Our faith is not in, in those things. Our faith is in Christ, and we live it out through faith. So, so today, when you, when you think about this, when we think about a new reality, and, and sometimes the anxiety that goes with that, let's, let's be people of faith now more than ever. Let's, let's embrace our new reality Let's, let's not be cynical or, or jaded. Let's, let's lean in and be creative and expectant for God to be doing something. Let's, let's expect great things from God, even in the midst of a pandemic. Let's, let's believe great things for, for each other, and let's believe for God to do that. Let's be real. Let's be authentic. Let's be vulnerable, but let's believe God to be at work. When, when Paul was writing to the church in, in Corinth, the, it would have been made up primarily of, of, of what we would call pagans, maybe, or, or whatever. They, they were non-Jews. They were people of, of various, very uh, non-Jewish backgrounds. And when Paul was talking to him, he, he emphasized the idea of, of the old way of life being gone. So I want to read in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. And it says this, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. Being in Christ is the ultimate new reality. It, ch it changes our perspective. That new life in Christ that, that Paul was talking about to the church in Galatia. It's a still a new life in Christ that we can experience here and now in Halifax, in our world, or wherever you're watching this. It can be our new reality. The truth is, for some, your present reality is not what you thought it would be. Life has had its fair share of disappointments. And that was even before COVID-19 hit. But you find yourself in that place of maybe living in fear. Or, or maybe, maybe you're just numb because so many things have happened and you've, you've, you've suffered disappointments. Can I encourage you today that God can change your old way of life and your old reality and bring you into a place of, a new, of new life and a new reality? Now, I know that means relinquishing control. I don't know if you do or not. It's about you know, relinquishing control to God through Christ. But honestly, do you really, <laughs> do you really feel like you control your life now? Or, or, or even if you do feel like, okay, yes, I am in control. I control my destiny. Okay, in that, is the experience that you're having from that control what you hoped it would be? Has it given you the, the purpose? Has it given you the life that you expected it would? Is there joy in that? You see, I, I pray that there's some people here today, some people listening to me right now, that are allowing or will allow God through Christ to give them a new reality, even today, in this moment. 
I pray that in Christ that people will find that, in Jesus. Because we, we believe that God created us for a relationship with him. That was, you know, we, we are created for a reason. We're, we were to engage and be a part of, of God's creation and be a part of his family. But through sin, through our rebellion, that relationship was severed. And because of that, we find ourselves distant from God and we find a void there that, that we just, no matter how hard we try to fill it, we can't fill it. And no matter even how hard we try to kind of through our own strength approach God, we just find it not possible. Well, that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to bridge that divide, to restore our relationship with Jesus, to restore your relationship with God through Christ. And we can do that today. It's as simple as, as admitting our need of God to recognize that, no, God, I need you. I, I, I know that I've, I've sinned. I know that I'm far from you. God, would you bring me back to you? And that's through Christ. And you accept Jesus and say, Jesus, would you save me? Even save me from myself and bring me to that new reality. So if you're here today and you're hearing this and you're going, that's me, I've been, I've been searching, I've, I, I've tried to be in control, but the, the results aren't what I hoped they would be, or, or I'm out of control, I just can't feel, I, I, this, my world is spinning out of control. Today, can I invite you to ask the creator of the universe, the, the one who loves you, the one who sent Jesus to die for you, can I, can I lead you in a prayer that you would accept him as your savior? We, we can do that right now. It's not complicated. You could just repeat after me, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I come to you recognizing I need a savior. And Jesus, I accept you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make my life a new reality. I surrender control to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to pray just for a second. Lord, I just pray for each one, like anyone that may have prayed that prayer in, in their minds or, or out loud, Lord, that you would be with them, that your peace would flood their hearts right now, that they would have a sense of your divine presence. And God, that you would begin to help them to experience this new reality. And Lord, across the life of the church, I pray that as we're in this day of unprecedented change and so many things being up in the air, Lord, help us to embrace the new reality that has changed. And Lord, help us to, to walk that out, to have faith and to walk in faith and build on the foundation of faith that you have laid in our lives, in our city, in our church. And God, that you be glorified in it. In Jesus' name, amen.